When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Yeah, I had to put mine away. I can't I can't trust him anymore. He was doing so well for so long, and then suddenly it's like, oh, this remote got chewed up or this pen got chewed up. And I'm like, dude, what? Yeah, 100% chance that at some point during this show, somebody makes a noise or like a leaf goes blown mm. by and he goes ape shit. You know, just don't turn us off. Uh, but anyway, so welcome back to the South End Zone. Part of the Belly Up Sports Network. I'm your host, Jason Bailey. I'm with Eric Mulher. As always, Eric, what's going on, man? We are finally at the last preview. Yeah, on the cusp. We have... They may not be like ultra compelling games, but we do have real football coming up this weekend, and I'm stoked. Indeed, me too. You've been uh, you've been catching any of the NFL preseason action? Been uh, trying to get back into the mode of watching football? No, no, I don't consider NFL preseason like real football. So yeah, yeah, it's it's hard for me. I'm I'm like it's still 180 degrees outside. Like I just I'm yeah, not, it's I'm not brutal. There. The, the only appeal for me anymore watching NFL is to be like, oh, I remember watching this guy when he played at, you know, Kansas State or <laughs> yeah, Arizona yeah. or that, South Deuce, Carolina. I saw Deuce Vaughn score a touchdown uh, yesterday or whenever the Cowboys played. I forget when that was. I don't remember what day. I don't even know what day it is today. So I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's week zero. We do have a couple of games that we might be able to throw down some bets, a little bit, a little bit of degenerate behavior. But before we get into week zero's action we're gonna wrap it up and do our last conference preview we're hitting the sec east and the defending national champ back-to-back national champs the georgia bulldogs but that's not where i'm gonna take you first Eric. we're gonna go ahead and this is (laughs) this is so weird to say you know, we always say we're going to take the trash out first, but if you, a couple of years back, you know, say four or five years ago, if you would have told me that fast forward four years, when I say taking the trash out, I mean the Florida Gators at five and a half, I'd have been like, no fucking way. So what in the F is Billy Napier going to do in year two, man? Five and a half, there ain't a whole lot of people who have positive things to say about the Gators. So talk to me about Florida, man. What are we doing? Are we taking the over on five and a half or are we just going to go ahead and lay our money on the under? If I'm leaning under until I know for a fact that Cam Rising is not going to play in week one, (laughs) Um, because, because then I think they can get to six if he's out, but, they they are they have an eight win roster and a four win schedule like that's 
my big thing with them. Uh, they bring back their top two running backs, uh, Etienne and Johnson. Both those guys are pretty good. Ricky Pearsall led him in receiving yards last year. He averaged like 20 yards a catch. He is the only receiver back, I believe, who had more than, say, 200 yards last season. Like the only real contributor. They brought in a bunch of guys to bring depth on the O-line. So the obvious question is Graham Mertz specifically, can he take care of the football? Because he didn't do that at Wisconsin, and that was everyone's kind of beef with him, was the the 21 interceptions in his last two seasons there. Mm-hmm. He's He's got to knock that shit off if they're going to have any chance. Um, they got to get better defensively. They gave up 28.8 points a game last year. It was the third straight year that the defense was bad. So they, again, brought in a ton of transfers. They're they're much deeper on the front seven, and they're probably just better overall than last year. I think top to bottom, it's probably a better football team than the 2022 Florida Gators, but I don't know that they get to six wins because the schedule is a nightmare. They get... <laughs> That's putting it lightly. It's it, The schedule looks like it was written... It was designed to get Billy Napier fired. Like, mm-hmm. that's how I would describe the schedule. They, you know, and you can say what you want about preseason polls, but, you know, and I would, I would probably agree with most of it. But if you look at the, the current AP top 25, the preseason poll, five of the top 14 teams are on Florida's schedule. That's terrible. That'll kill us. <sighs> and they basically get a top team, a top 10 type of team pretty much every other week. Like the only, the easiest stretch in their schedule is Charlotte at Kentucky and Vanderbilt. That's the closest thing they have to a, a kind of a light stretch. And, and that game at Kentucky is not going to be easy either. So I, I think Napier's a really good coach. I've been a fan of his for a while. You know that. I think he can succeed in Gainesville because he is building up the roster talent. Maybe not as quickly as some people would like, but he is. He just needs to get a little bit of time, and he's going to need that time because I don't think they get a sixth win. So I'm going to take the under. Ooh, ooh, man. Oh, man. I was so torn on this, and it it basically, I'm the same as you. I mean, I'm, I cannot comfortably, honestly, I can't comfortably bet an over or an under until I know if Cam Rising is going to play. Yeah, because outside of that game, I, there's like four not even really 50-50, but like winnable conference games, and yeah. they would have to win three of them. Yeah, and I mean, you, you would think Graham they Graham Mertz doesn't inspire the confidence in me to do that. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they get to 6-6, six and six, mm-hmm. because I think they are, from a roster talent standpoint, better. But Mertz has got to show me something that he didn't show me in his 25 starts at Wisconsin, I guess is the short version. <sighs> yeah, Uh What's funny about them is they were so bad last year, but they, they were plus eight in turnover margin. I would expect that to get worse. Mm-hmm. I think the defense will be a little better, but that it, I don't see it taking some gigantic step forward. <laughs> so I, I'm with you, and I, I'm on the under, but I don't feel great about it. Like it, it wouldn't shock me to see. It. I just I don't have a ton of faith that Cam Rising is going to play. He's not practicing yet. You know, so I, I just don't see it. I, I don't think he's going to play. And to me, that would spell Florida winning. But there again, I, I don't know. I'm going to take the under, but I don't feel great about it. I'll just put it that way. Mm. Like, it wouldn't shock me if they went seven and five and got somebody, you know, because it is Florida. Florida is still a tough place to play. It's still not. Right. They, I mean, they still have conference home games against yeah. teams who are not, who are not, you know, that much better than them. Right. Um, you know, Ben Hill Griffin is not, it's no cakewalk, but no. 
there's just one too many question marks for me, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> God, like I said, the schedule is the, the determining factor. It's it's absolutely brutal, man. But yeah, if they had Georgia's schedule, I'd pick them to go like probably eight and four or nine and three. Yeah, yeah, and we'll talk I mean, about Georgia's the schedule. schedule. Is just yeah, oh, it's rough. Yeah, we'll get we'll get to more of that in a minute. So let's take the rest of the trash out here and talk to me about Vandy Biff. What's Vanderbilt going to do, man? I, I don't. I mean, we we bet the over on this team last year, and it cashed for us like by early, yeah. I mean, it was like by week four we cashed, and it was week four or five they went over two and a half, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So Um, can we? So they were five and seven last year, yeah. Five and seven last year surprised a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I think there's a little bit of smoke there, uh, smoke screen, if you will. Because they got outscored despite finishing five and seven, they got outscored by 137 points oh last year. God. Yeah, but I mean, the, so, most of that is like a couple of games, though, right? They lost like 55 to six to Georgia. Sure. Uh, but they also, I think they won three games by a touchdown or less. Uh, there was, there might have been a little bit of luck involved. I'm not saying they're a mirage. I'm just saying don't just assume that they're going to go in five games again this year. So uh, AJ Swan, the quarterback, Took really good care of the football. Like, that's the nicest thing I could say about him. He only threw two picks last year. They do return their top three receivers, but, you know, the passing attack last year was not, uh, it was the opposite of explosive. He was at six and a half yards per attempt. They're very inexperienced at running back. Their, their top returning running back had 150 yards last year, but they do bring back four starters from the offensive line that was better last year than the previous season. So they could continue to improve. Last year, they they brought up their scoring average, like nine full points. So they're not going to do that again, but they shouldn't drop off from 24 and a half per game either. So the issue with them for me is the defense because they gave up 36 a game and I haven't seen anything that makes me think it's going to be any better. They five starters back in their front seven, but though, you know, those guys gave up 170 a game on the ground and they only got 17 sacks last year as a team total. Ugh. So I'd be better up front. The secondary is experienced. They got three guys back there, but they're going to have their hands full unless the pass rush gets a lot better. So if they go over three and a half, it will be primarily on the front end of their schedule. They should, I think, start out three and one before they get into conference play, but I don't see a fourth win there. Mm. Like they get Tennessee, Ole Miss, Georgia. They're going to be underdogs in their last eight games. So they're going to have to upset Kentucky or Florida again. And I'm not buying it. So I'll say no, and I'll take under three and a half. (sighs) Yeah, the bottom line is, do you think they can beat Wake Forest or not? That's ultimately, I mean, it's on the road. But do you think they can get a win against Wake Forest or not? Not with that defense, no. I'm not so sure. Without Sam Hartman, I don't know what Wake Forest is going to look like. And it's well known that their defense can't stop a soul. So <laughs> I think that's one of those games that could be a high-scoring affair. And I'm going to reluctantly take the over here because Holy I think shit. Vanderbilt has a chance to start 4-0. I do think they'll be at least 3-1. and But like Mizzou. How good is Mizzou going to be? We don't know. I'm not on the board. I'm not on board with like Jay Smith, who came on our show and said Mizzou's going to be like a surprise team this year. I don't think they're going to be very good. I, I don't know. It's it's a reluctant over, but I just don't have a ton of faith in Wake Forest. 
ultimately, I mean, I, we talked about them. Their defense is going to be trash again. And without mm-hmm. Sam Hartman, I see kind of a downward spiral, sort of. And maybe they overachieve and maybe they continue doing what they're doing. But I'm going to take the over. And uh, I, again, I don't feel great about it. Mm. Speaking we didn't get very far before our first disagreement. <laughs> no, we did not. So speaking of Mizzou, talk to me about Missouri. Oh, misery. That's uh, more accurately describes their year in and year out performance here. Five and five, six and seven, six and seven so far under Drinkwitz. Am I going to see any improvement this year or should I expect another mediocre season? Because they haven't gone over six and a half in his tenure yet. And I don't know what I'm. I don't know what I would see on the roster here that would make me think they're going to take a big step forward. So what am I missing? I I could see it if I squint hard enough. I mean, this is probably his best team. Even I get that that's not saying much. He's seventeen and nineteen so far through three seasons. But I think from a roster standpoint, this might be his best team. They their quarterback was not terrible. I mean, he was. Average sixty five percent. He threw for twenty seven hundred yards and fourteen touchdowns. He was acceptable. They did lose their top two receivers, but they uh, the Burden kid, uh, yeah, played played well as a true freshman. He was a really highly recruited prospect. He's back. He'll probably be a bigger contributor. They bring back their top three rushers from last year, and you know all those guys had at least four hundred yards. And then they bring back four starters on the offensive line, which I like. So. 24.8 points per game last year. I think they could see a slight bump there. The defense was much better last year than it was in 2021. They improved by about a touchdown per game. So they have some experience up front. They bring back their top four tacklers. They improve depth in the front seven with some transfers. And they also bring back all four starting defensive backs. Uh, they got a safety, Carlise. Uh, he led them in tackles and picked off three passes. I like I like him. I think he's a good player. Their schedule isn't great. So you look at it and you say, okay, well, there's only four like true road games, but you look at the home slate, you get Tennessee on there, you get Kansas State, you get LSU. They should get off to a good start, kind of like we talked about with Vanderbilt a minute ago. They should be at least four and one when LSU rolls in. But you get four conference games, kind of like we said with Florida. They get Florida, South Carolina, Kentucky, and Arkansas. I think they would need to win three of those to get to a seven games. So I like them to get to a bowl, but I'm going to lean under. And this was a tough one for me. You must think I'm dumb. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not doing it. I'm not taking the over. I got to see it first. I'm just not confident in this team to do anything beyond get to a bowl game. I agree with pretty much everything you said. I don't really have much to add to that. Schedule doesn't do them any favors at Kentucky, at Georgia, at Arkansas, Tennessee at home, Kansas State at home. I mean, Kansas State, they better have some shit figured out before Kansas State comes in there because they could get their ass handed to them. Yeah, they get, they get run over. <laughs> yeah. So things could go sideways pretty quick if they don't have some shit figured out by week three. So I'm going to take the under. I do agree that this could be their best team, but it's kind of like the thing we talk about with South Carolina, how Beamer's making steady improvements, but his record may not reflect that simply because mm-hmm. of the conference you play in. And Yeah, well, same thing with Florida. They're they're a better team, I believe, than they were last year, but their record's not going to show it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, all right. So we're three out of four here. 
Hit me with Georgia, 11 and a half. Do they go undefeated or not? Uh, I think so. Uh, we'll kind of breeze through this one because I think everyone, everything, everyone's already heard everything we have to say about Georgia. Oh yeah, they're they're pretty much spoken for. Uh, yeah, they're they're deep at receiver. They don't have necessarily the one you know like Bolitnikov candidate type dude, but they're deep at receiver. They're deep at running back. They have the best tight end in the country. They're capital E elite on both lines of scrimmage. Even though I don't. I think they probably would like to be have a little more depth on the D line. They're still they are wildly talented. They bring back four of their top five tacklers. They haven't allowed more than twenty points a game since twenty sixteen, and the schedule is an embarrassment to competition. So <laughs> they'll be double digit favorites in minimum ten games. Yeah, I so would, yeah, I would wager eleven. I mean, the yeah, Tennessee's the Tennessee, only game. They're not going to be. I mean, yeah, at Tennessee and Ole Miss at home are the only possible exceptions to that. Yeah. And I'm not even sold that Old Miss will be nine and a half or better. So those games are back to back, but I would still expect them to win both. Yeah. yeah done, over. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't think that uh, Tennessee will play with the same kind of moxie, the same kind of hype and all of that, that they played with at home in the Alabama game last year in which they won by a field goal. I just. I, I mean, I think there. they might. I just don't think it'll matter. Like atmosphere wise and you know mindset wise of that team, I think it'll be probably look awfully similar. But you know, Georgia's more or less handled them the last two years, and I just don't know. I don't see it changing. I guess is the easiest way to say it. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. I've got them at twelve and zero. I don't have. I just don't see it. I don't have anything to add really to that. I mean. It, I hate just betting on undefeated or not, but like you say, they'll be double-digit favorites in pretty much every game other than on the road at Tennessee. And <clears throat> I haven't seen anything from Tennessee that would make me think they're going to take a huge step forward in closing the gap on losing. It was, they lost by two touchdowns. Yeah, 27 to 13. So, yeah, there you go. I, I haven't seen anything to make me think they would close that gap other than playing at home in which I would grant them like four points. We're playing at home. So that's not enough to me. So over yeah. and call it a day. Okay. Well, what do you see from Tennessee outside of that Georgia game? Because they're getting nine and a half. And it seems like a semi-optimistic number when you consider they have Georgia and at Alabama on their schedule. So, you know, can they still win 10 games against that slate given who they're replacing? Guys like Jalen Hyatt and Hendon Hooker and uh, Wright. The, the stud offensive lineman. I'm going to say under, and this is not a, I, I don't want Tennessee fans to take this as like an indictment of their team. Okay. I think Tennessee will have a really good team, but I think it was sort of the perfect storm for them last year. I think a lot of things bounced their way and I don't see a lot of those things bouncing the same direction this year combined with the loss of Hendon Hooker. I, I think Joe Milton will be fine. I think he's got an unbelievable arm, but how accurate is he? Can he, you know, thread the ball in tight windows and make those crazy throws that only his guy, like a Jalen Hyatt, can catch? And you know, a contested catch to set him up for a game-winning field goal. Can he do that, or can he just throw it seventy yards? I don't know. So we'll see. Outside of that, I mean, they bring back their top two rushers. They're bringing back a lot of talent. They're bringing back, what, 12 starters total, I believe. So offensively, I don't worry too much about them. 
you know, Josh Heupel, he's going to put up points. They're going to score a shit ton of points on people. It's kind of like the old Miss thing. Can they stop anybody? They were respectable last year on defense, 22 points a game. I don't hate that. But I thought they were pretty underrated. Like offense got all the attention, but they improved oh, yeah. pretty markedly last year on defense. Yeah, big time. But a number that I look at that I don't think is very sustainable is plus 11 in turnover margin. I don't think that's sustainable. I would expect something, you know, plus four, plus three, something along those lines with a new quarterback, things like that. So when I look at their schedule, their first toss-up game being on the road at Florida, I I like them to win that. I I have that penciled in as a win. We don't really know what Florida's going to look like. We'll see. And then I pretty much have them ultimately being undefeated when they face Alabama on the road. I have a hard time seeing them repeat that. Alabama had 17 penalties in that game last year, so and they won by a field goal. <laughs> so this year it's in Tuscaloosa. I don't expect those same amount of mistakes to be made. Alabama lost a lot, but we've discussed that. It's at home. You just It's tough to bet against Saban at home. So I would pencil that in as a loss for Tennessee. At Kentucky, another toss-up game. That'll be a war. Now, if Kentucky continues what they've been doing the last few years where they're giving up less than 20 points a game. So I think that'll be a close game. And then outside of that, I haven't penciled in for a loss at Georgia. So ultimately, I'm going to take the under and say nine and three because I just want to see it first. I saw it. It's kind of like Florida State. I saw it once. You got me. Okay. You overachieved. Now do it again. I want to see it again. Can you stay at the top? You know, you you did all this. Oh, you, you know, we were number one in the country for a week before we lost to Georgia. Now you've got a bunch of eyes on you. You're not going to surprise anybody. New quarterback who has astronomical expectations on him. I don't think a lot of those expectations are fair. Until I see it, I'm not going to believe it. And I don't think the schedule does them as many favors as they had last year. And I just, I'm going to take the under, man. I don't know. They played at LSU last year for their their cross-divisional game. Yeah, but I mean, that's Brian Kelly's first season, though. And they hadn't really figured themselves okay. out by then. I mean, they got fucking smoked in that game. And Right. I mean, they got run over. But yeah. They still I, won the West. I think West. we would both agree that that was sort of the turning point for LSU, though, right? I mean, they um, kind of got their shit together after that. You know what I mean? Yeah, somewhat. But so I was on the fence. I went back and forth. The game that, that worried me, actually, believe it or not, was Texas A&M at home because they the, the talent and athleticism they have on defense – they might be one of the few teams that could slow Tennessee down somewhat. And it comes a week before the Alabama game. So there's a, a little bit of a trap game feel to that. But ultimately, I ended up settling on a very reluctant over. <laughs> just because Josh Heupel's offense and the way they use uh, spacing and motions, they end up with receivers who are open by 10 yards. Like it feels like constantly. I've never seen an offense that has guys just running free so frequently. So, you know, Milton was going to be the starter two years ago and then got hurt. And then Hendon Hooker came in. So it's not like they feel like they're stuck with him. Like they think this guy can play. So, you know, that I don't feel great about it, but I am going to back my high school basketball nemesis here and give him the benefit of the doubt and take over nine and a half on the Vols. Well, again, I don't have a ton of conviction. I could see him going 10-2, but I, I just 
they're going to have to prove it to me. I want to see it again before I start saying, oh, yep, Tennessee, they're back. They're official. They're a top 10 team, no doubt. If I was going to rate them, I would power rate them in the top 10 above some of the Pac-12 teams that are in the top 10, like Washington, for instance. I would put, I would power rate Tennessee ahead of Washington. But Over. Yep. <laughs> Over. Exactly. Okay, well, speaking of doing it again, let's talk about a guy who has done it again the last two years, uh, exceeded preseason projections and expectations, and that is our guy Shane Beamer out there in Columbia, South Carolina. It looks like they might have a chance to do it again because six and a half doesn't seem like a lot. What are we looking at? Oh man, this is the this is the toughest one for me out of all of the SEC teams we've done. They have so many toss up games on their schedule that I could see them going eight and four or five and seven like that. There's a three win differential for me here. And ultimately, a lot of it rides on that first game against North Carolina, which I would assume North Carolina would be a slight favorite. I haven't seen the line on that. Here, I'll, I'll look while you're talking. So I would assume North Carolina is going to be a slight favorite there, but I'm not sure. And then they get a layup before they go on the road to Georgia, which is an L. That'll be a beatdown. Mississippi State at home. I've got that as a win. At Tennessee, I don't know about you, but I think Tennessee is going to be up for that game. That's a revenge game. That could get ugly. I just, yikes. I think that's one that Tennessee's got circled, and I've got that as a loss. And then they've got three straight games, two of which that are on the road that I've got – toss-ups here florida at mizzou at texas a&m that to me is the defining stretch of their schedule if they can win all three of those i like them to hit the over if they can win two out of three i think they have a great chance to hit the over but ultimately i can't bet on this there's way too many toss-up games they've got clemson at the end of the season i have that as a loss they did beat them last year but i think we're going to see a different clemson team by week 12 13 time frame so Kentucky's a toss-up, Vanderbilt, like, but bottom line, I've got them penciled in for four wins, like just guaranteed what I think is a win. Furman, Mississippi State, Jacksonville State, Vanderbilt. Every other game is a loss or a toss-up, and to me, that's too questionable. I'm not going to go deep into their roster. I think they're getting better in a couple of areas, worse in a couple of areas. They got gutted by the transfer portal, and so while I think Beamer is doing a really good job I just don't think it's going to be enough to get them to seven wins. So I'm going to take the under and say they go six and six. I don't love the schedule, right? With, like you said, Clemson and North Carolina out of conference, and then they get road games against Georgia, Tennessee, Texas A&M. That feels like one and four to me. So (laughs) they have six home games that I think are at, at least winnable, but... This was another tough one for me. The uh, I I just I don't like the depth hit that it feels like they took, particularly at receiver and running back. Like they lost their their top two running backs to the portal, and they brought in a Division two All American. Who knows what he's going to look like? O line wasn't great. They seem unlikely to improve on defense. They don't bring a ton of guys back, but the schedule has me kind of. Kind of leery of this, but I eventually gave Beamer the benefit of the doubt because he's done it twice now. So I'm going to say he gets him to seven somehow. I haven't figured out how yet. He's he's rubbed my face in it twice. I'm not going to let him do it a third time. Mm. If you want to crown him, then crown their ass. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I know it. I know that. That's the one I feel the least good about. I don't feel great about any of these. I'm so leery well, of my f- picks after last year's SEC bloodbath, man. I'm just, I'm so like, I'm supremely confident in the other conferences, you know, like the big 12 and the pac 12 and even the big 10, I felt pretty good about But these, man. I, mm, I, I don't feel great about them. Just being brutally honest here. Well, how do you feel about uh, Kentucky since we're wrapping up with them? Mm, over. Give me the over on Stoops. I'm going to take the over for a couple of reasons here. First and foremost, I think, yes, I know Will Levis, for all the things people said about him, NFL, second round of the draft, I don't think Will Levis is very good. That's just my opinion. You want to come at me on Twitter, Jason Bailey 47 feel free. I'll tell you why I think you're wrong. Maybe he surprises. I mean, you know, the Titans drafted him. Who knows how he's going to do. But nonetheless... What I do know about him is that last year he threw double-digit interceptions, and he doesn't take care of the football. But good news, Kentucky fans, the guy they're replacing him with, who is Devin Leary, transferred over from NC State, he does take care of the football. He threw four picks last year, not ten. So I think they'll be a little bit better in the department of taking care of the football, in which they were minus two in turnovers last year, which was a massive improvement over their minus 11 two years ago. But So I like Devin Leary. I, I hate NC State's offense. We've talked about this, how they just kept the handcuffs on Leary and didn't let him cook and just do his thing. I think he's really talented, but he's just got to let somebody just un, just take the handcuffs off and let him do it. And I think you might have an opportunity to do that given that Kentucky lost Chris Rodriguez. So it may be like an addition by subtraction, you know, because Rodriguez was a hell of a player. They lost him and Cavassier Smoke. So I think they'll want to sling it around a little bit more. And their top five receivers are back. So I think those are all positive marks for their offense. Plus, as we know, we like offensive line returning starters. They're bringing four of them back. So I think all those are good things, but they're going to have to massively improve on the offensive line because they gave up 47 fucking sacks last year. That, I mean, that I don't know if that's a record in the SEC, but that's really fucking terrible. It so, feels like it should be. <laughs> it's got to be close. That's the highest number I've seen uh, in quite some time covering Power 5 teams. So. 47 sacks, that's not going to cut it. If they can get that down into the low 30s, high 20s area, then I'd like them to be a lot better offensively. So 10 starters back on offense, plus you're adding Devin Leary. I like it. So uh, let's talk about the defense for a second. They were pretty impressive. 19 points a game on defense. Stoops continues to do what he does. Slow teams down, doesn't give up a ton of points. Never given up you know, more than 25 in the last six seasons. So... I think that continues. I I don't see a big drop-off on defense. I think they'll be fine. Their pass rush needs to get a little better, but I do like their defensive line to get a little bit better. So schedule-wise, I have them starting 4-0 and then a couple of toss-up games between Florida and Mizzou with a loss to Georgia mixed in there. So I think they'll hit the over pretty easily, man, because I expect them to beat South Alabama, Louisville, and Mississippi State and then lose to Alabama and Tennessee. So between Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, I have three guaranteed losses. But I like them to win the rest, and I think they'll be favored in all those other games. So give me the over, and he's going to hit eight wins. Yeah, this one was easy for me. I, this was probably my easiest pick out of the East because I think it's probably a game too low. I like 
the big thing for me is that they bring Liam Cohen back as offensive coordinator. He was there in 2021 when Will Levis looks like looked like someone who could play in the NFL. <laughs> yeah. He went he went to the NFL. Will Levis did not look like someone who could play in the NFL, but now he's back. So they averaged 20 points a game last year. That's going to improve because I think they upgraded a quarterback. Uh, they brought the running back in from Vanderbilt, Ray Davis, good player. He had a thousand yards last year. Yeah. And I think, I mean, Liam Cohen was here in 2021. They averaged 32 a game. Yeah. So they'll be closer to that than they will to 20.4 or whatever they averaged last year. So. And then the defense will be the defense. They'll be one of the better defenses in the East, certainly. So I I wouldn't be surprised in the least if Mark Stoops squeezed nine wins out of this out of this team. But I really, really like them to get to eight. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you. It ultimately for me depends on Devin Leary. If he plays to his potential, I think they could win nine games. I think the schedule's pretty favorable outside of those three games we talked about. So yeah, this was also a pretty easy over for me. So uh, that's everything. So recap us here. Where, where are we at? Okay, we are both on the under for Missouri six and a half and Florida five and a half. Oh man, poor Florida. We are both we're both on the over for Kentucky, like we just talked about, and Georgia. We both think that they will go unbeaten. So our disagreements lied with Tennessee and South Carolina mm. and Vanderbilt. You inexplicably took Vanderbilt over three and a half. <laughs> uh, I, a sane person, took the under. Uh, I took over so, over six and a half for South Carolina and over nine and a half for Tennessee, and you took the under on both of those. So we were both four and three, just in opposite directions. Mm, man, no faith in Vanderbilt. <laughs> Called me insane for taking the over over one game. I, just one I game. Had, I had Boy, faith in them last year. in Wake Forest. I tell you what, I had faith in them last year and quitting while I'm ahead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's unbelievable, man! You're just gonna quit on Vandy. Oh, all right, oh, believe that's fine. It. It's totally fine. So, with all the 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 Power Five previews done with, holy shit! Let's get into some degenerate behavior here for the first time in God knows how long since the national title game. So. Week zero, man. The headliner, uh, we can talk about it first because there's really not any other games of major consequence. So we'll talk about uh, the headliner here, which is Notre Dame and Navy. And they are playing across the pond. So Notre Dame is at, uh, it opened at minus 21 and a half here. It's down to minus 20 and a half. I, I don't know here. The, I mean, it's minus 105 to the under. I don't know what to make of it. If you go back and look at the history of this game, it's a little bit curious. Uh, last year was a barn burner. You know, Notre Dame came in as a 17-point favorite and won by a field goal. <laughs> and so, and then a couple of years ago, they blitzed them: 34 to six, 52 to 20, 44 to 22, and then a 17 to 24 mixed in there. So, I mean, do you feel pretty confident in betting Notre Dame at 20 and a half here? Not really, because I just I wonder if Navy is going to get it slowed down enough to where they just don't have the ball often enough to, to outscore them by three touchdowns. I This is one of those games where I don't have strong feelings either way in terms of betting, but I will watch because I want to see. And it's not, honestly, it's not going to be that instructive either, but I will want to see how Notre Dame's offense functions. I don't think Navy has the athletes on defense to to give us a great idea of, of what Sam Hartman looks like outside of Wake Forest's kind of goofy scheme, but uh, I 
I would like to see the receivers. I think Navy's going to probably struggle to run the ball on these guys, but the under is kind of attractive. It I will is, say that. Isn't it? I was thinking that at like 50 and a half. I'm like, man, that seems like a lot. I mean, I know last year, like I say, 35, 32, way over 50 and a half. But is Notre Dame going to be able to, or excuse me, is Navy going to put up 32 points again on this defense? I don't see it. No. No. I, I, no, I, I, I would consider betting the under. I would probably wouldn't touch the spread. Mm. Yeah. Well, since uh, for the purpose of this podcast, since we don't count our week zero bets and uh, against our you know overall record, since it's a warm up for us, I will go ahead and take Notre Dame at minus twenty and a half. I think they're going to blitz them. Not necessarily like a fifty point beat down. I just don't think Navy's offense is going to score very many points, I guess, is what it boils down to. So I would lean to the under, and I would lean to taking Notre Dame at 20 and a half. But it is week zero, and crazy shit does happen. True. I'll tell you one crazy thing that would happen if, is if San Jose State beat USC. <laughs> right. hey, oh, man. I would love to see it happen, but I'd... No, thirty and a half. That's that's actually kind of tempting because I I don't think San Jose State can keep up with those guys. But that's probably the only other game that I'll be I'll really watch that intently. Um, See, I would be more towards leaning towards taking the under on San Jose State and USC sixty four and a half. I mean, do we really think San Jose State's going to score that many points? I don't know. I mean, are they? <laughs> I mean, I would think USC gets up pretty handily and then calls off the dogs, but... Probably. I think I would probably go the under that one as well. And the other under that I kind of like is UTEP and Jacksonville State, 52 and a half. I don't, I don't know that either of those teams really are... Uh, I can expect them to score a bunch. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you one that I like here, and I don't know what you think about this, but man, with everything that's going on, with Hawaii, Vanderbilt at home, getting 17. Only catching 17. Yeah. Uh, I kind of like Vanderbilt to just blast them. <laughs> they, bl- they blast yeah, them. Yeah, I think Hawaii's last year. I don't know that this Hawaii's year's probably is going to be pretty terrible. I could see I could see Vanderbilt getting uh, getting a blowout win wherever they can find it right, while they have the chance. Because I don't know when their next chance is going to be. Yeah, I don't know either. It's uh, going to be kind of interesting. But all right. So recapping real quick, I'm on Notre Dame, 20 and a half. I'm on the under 50 and a half. You're also on that under 50 and a half. And then you're on the under and UTEP and Jacksonville State, you said, under 52 and a half? Yep. Okay. And then I am on Vanderbilt minus 17. Are you taking a piece of that action as well? I think I will. I do like Vanderbilt minus 17 because I think Hawaii is just going to be absolutely terrible. All right. And then to wrap us up, uh, I'm on the under 64 and a half here in USC and San Jose State. I just, I don't, I'm not sure that San Jose State's going to score that many points. So, and I mean, who knows? USC might score 65 by themselves. Who <laughs> I don't know. They could, yeah. Yeah. It almost feels like that's what it would take. Yeah, it may be. All right, so that's going to wrap us up for the week, and we are done with preview season. We will be back with you next week, talking week one. Thank God, finally, some actual no-shit big boy football. Let's effing go. 
So until then, you can find us on social media at South End Zone Pod. You can follow me at Jason Bailey 47 on Twitter. You can follow Eric at Eric Mulhair. And we'll be back with you next week for week one bets, degenerate behavior, and all of the good stuff. Until then, catch you later. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.